people in general may think whatever they want to think. And of course, they are free to do whatever they want to do. But challenging God and his ways will lead them nowhere good. What's worse is that because of people's rebellion against God and his ways, they are rejecting the very things that bring about true good in their lives, things that bring about true justice. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and his truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be discussing reactions to God's word. The Holy Bible was written by men, but inspired by God so that we could have eternal life and eternal reward, so we can attain through the power of the Holy Spirit, the full potential and meaning of our existence. But do we listen to it? Do we follow what God says? Do we ultimately fear the Lord? The word of God is conditional and depending on how you react to God is the way his word will be fulfilled in your life. Everyone reacts differently to God's truth, but the only thing that should matter to you is how you react to him. Today's message is inspired in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36, verses 1 to 26. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I praise you, I bless you, I worship you, O Lord, for you are the Almighty. You are the God of the universe. You've created all things. And you, Lord God, allow for each and every one of us to exist. Blessed are you, O Lord God. Blessed are you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for what you did through him. Thank you, O Lord, for the grace and mercy that we have and that we find through your Son. Thank you for the salvation that we have through him. I pray, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that you may please forgive my sins and my wrongs. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be sensitive to your word, to react the way that we need to react to your truth. Heavenly Father, enlighten us. Open our hearts, our minds, our understanding, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, because we need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 36, verses 1 to 26. This is the word of the Lord. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, and against all the nations. From the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah, even to this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll of a book, at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord which he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. You go, therefore, and read from the scroll which you have written in my instruction the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury that the Lord has pronounced against his people. 
And Baruch, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book of the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Now it came to pass in the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, that they proclaimed a fast before the Lord to all the people in Jerusalem, and to all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem. Then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Jemariah, the son of Shaphan, the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house, in the hearing of all the people. When Micaiah, the son of Jemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the book, he then went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber, and there all the princes were sitting, Elishama the scribe, Deliah the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan the son of Akbor, Jemariah the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah the son of Hananiah, and all the princes. Then Micaiah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the hearing of the people. Therefore all the princes sent Jehudai, the son of Nethaniah, the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushi, to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people, and come. So Baruch the son of Neriah took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down now and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. Now it happened, when they had heard all the words, that they looked in fear from one to another and said to Baruch, we will surely tell the king of all these words. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how did you write all these words? At his instruction? So Baruch answered them, He proclaimed with his mouth all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then the princess said to Baruch, Go and hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. And they went to the king and to the court, but they stored the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe and told all the words in the hearing of the king. So the king sent Jehudai to bring the scroll, and he took it from Elishama the scribe's chamber. And Jehudai read it in the hearing of the king and in the hearing of all the princes who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month, with the fire burning on the hearth before him. And it happened when Jehudai had read three or four columns, that the king cut it with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor did they tear their garments, the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan, Deliah, and Jemariah implored the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the king's son, Seraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shilamiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch and the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. During this time in history, all of the kingdoms of the earth were in deep rebellion against the Lord, including Israel and Judah, much like it is today. Idolatry was running rampant throughout where idols and false gods were worshipped everywhere. The majority of the people were doing what was wrong before the sight of God. God had at least some hope for Judah that maybe they would turn from their wicked ways if they heard what he had in store for the wicked. And as we read, some were fearful, but the majority were not. And this included the king of Judah. 
We have mentioned this several times over the years that bad things happen because of sin, especially because of the sin of rebellion. Rebellion implies that a person knows what is right. They know what they should be doing, but they refuse to do what is right and pleasing before the Lord. They are aware of God's truth. This was the state of Israel and Judah during those days. They knew it was wrong to follow false guys and idols. They knew it was wrong to treat wrongfully and take advantage of the weak, of the widow, and the orphan, and the stranger. They knew that sexual immorality was not acceptable before the Lord. Yet they committed these wrongs, and many more, and all knowing full well that it went completely against the God of heaven. Does this seem familiar to you? Does this not sound like what we are going through right now? And from the leadership down, most people refuse to even acknowledge God, let alone listen to him, to his word. In all of this, we must bear certain truths in mind. I know that the truth is very subjective and relative nowadays because most people see truth as something that they establish based on their own opinion or on what a group of people consider and or establish as acceptable and true. For all intents and purposes, some people may even mention God, but that doesn't mean anything because their hearts and their intentions are very far away from the Lord. Or they have just created their own God or worshiped the very common God that is worshiped today, the God of self. What most of society will encourage people to do is to do whatever makes them happy personally, as long as what they say, it is in the confines of what is perceived as legal. And of course, many wrong things have been made perfectly legal, including the right for a woman to have an abortion. In the United States, abortion laws vary from state to state. Once upon a time, if you will, the states could prohibit the procedure once the fetus reached viability, the point at which a fetus is capable of sustaining life outside of the womb. Now, there are some states where a person does not have any restrictions like Alaska, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, and Vermont. In those states, you can kill a baby within any point of the nine-month period. This is just one example of how today's laws support and empower people to do things that go against the Lord. And of course, even though good laws exist that are founded on biblical principles, they are overrun or not upheld if the price is right for some people. In many places of the world, there are good and just rules and laws, but people in power either look the other way or favor certain people because of status, or they themselves break the same rules and laws they're supposed to uphold. If we look at the world today, there's not much justice at all. Hundreds of thousands of people die a year because of some form of injustice, like genocides, political oppression, and or persecution. Thousands of people flee their own countries because they don't trust their justice system and or corruption and the growing power of organized crime. The world is not a good place to live in because of injustice, because of sin. That's the problem with sin. No matter how much people try to turn a blind eye to it or justify it to themselves because in one way or another, someone gets hurt. People ultimately wind up hurting themselves and or others with sin. Yet because they want to think that it is okay somehow, they continue and persist in doing what is wrong. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So we have to ask ourselves, and bearing in mind what has been said so far, 
Does God give his word, especially his word of future judgment, because he enjoys being cruel or for the good of man as a warning so they can turn from their evil ways before it is too late? If we truly understand who the God of the Bible is, we should be able to see that he gives his word so that we could have life and not just temporary life, but eternal life. His word is the only source of true and everlasting life. It is the source for all good instruction. Peter said this to Jesus himself when he had asked Peter if he wanted to leave him also. John chapter 6 says this, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. God's instruction is for the good of man and not for their destruction. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so we could live and not to destroy man. For it is also written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Ezekiel chapter 18 tells us about how God challenges man in their ways, where it says, The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But if a wicked man turns from all his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes, and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him because of the righteousness which he has done. He shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, shall he live? All the righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed. Because of them, he shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, O house of Israel. Is it not my way which is fair and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he's committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed. He shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. People in general may think whatever they want to think 
And of course, they're free to do whatever they want to do. But challenging God and his ways will lead them nowhere good. What's worse is that because of people's rebellion against God and his ways, they are rejecting the very things that bring about true good in their lives, things that bring about true justice. They're ultimately turning away life and bringing about death for themselves. There is one truth that cannot be denied, and that is written, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is why God gives the warning, but also gives the solution, the path to take to avoid death. As we read before, God does not want the destruction of man, and it's completely illogical to think otherwise, especially considering everything he has done for man. This is the one of the misconceptions of many people, that God wants to destroy people. And they also judge God, saying, if God was so good, then why does he allow for everything that is evil and bad to exist? And we don't have to go very far for that answer. Free will is an incredible power and right we all have. But it is used mostly to sin against God, to rebel against God. So why is the world the crazy and bizarre place it is? It is that way because of our collective sin. And you may not want to accept any responsibility, but we have all sinned. So in one way or another, we have all contributed and we all continue to contribute to the madness that exists in the world. Ever since the fall of man, when man chose to disobey God, the world is what it is. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Notice that it says, all have sinned. There are no exceptions. But some may say, I'm a good person. Or why did something bad happen to that other good person? Jesus himself, even being perfect and sinless, said this to the young ruler when he called him good teacher. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. So if Jesus said that of himself, what do you think is left for us? Adam and Eve sinned. Everyone after that has sinned. You have sinned. I have sinned. We have all sinned. So we have all contributed in one way or another. And each other's sin affects our entire environment. And that is the problem that comes with free will. So is it God's fault that the world is the way it is? And the answer is no. And this is the reason for God's word, for his instruction. That is the only way we can become a good influence for this world, being salt and light in a tasteless and dark world. God's intention behind every instruction and every warning and every difficult circumstance he allows is for the good of mankind. So they turn from their evil ways so that they can seek life rather than pursue death and destruction by following the evil intentions of their heart. That is why the Lord says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent. Turn away from your idols and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. 
This is why repentance and conversion are so important. It's the only way to effectively come to back to that right path, to leave behind the main thing that produces our fall, our destruction, idolatry. The world is full of idolatry. Idolatry is everything that is given preference and our priority before the Lord. If you just want to do what you want to do, then you are your own idol, your own God. And if other things are more important in your life than the Lord, then those are idols. And be careful. Idols can even be those things that are perceived as good, like your loved ones, your friends and family, your career, your finances, and so on. Everything that is given first place in your life outside of the Lord is an idol. That is the main problem the world faces. The first and greatest commandment is very clear. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And if you say, I thought the Ten Commandments were the commandments to follow, then let's look at the first commandment there. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. So there is no room for confusion. The first commandment that Jesus reiterated, because that is, in fact, the first commandment, aligns with the first of the Ten Commandments exactly. You shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. And everything that takes the Lord's rightful first place in our lives is a God. No matter how much we want to excuse it, say that it's not so, defend ourselves, and so on. The Lord must be first. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to love anyone else. It just means that he takes priority over everything else. He gets first place. Loving your neighbor second place or the second commandment. And your neighbor is everyone who surrounds you at any given moment. And be careful. Your enemy is your neighbor also. So we need to love our enemies, like Jesus said, and because they are our neighbor, then that means that we need to love our enemy in the same manner as we love our loved ones, our family, and our friends. So then, who puts God in first place? And also, who loves their enemies like the people that love them? I know, this is getting extremely difficult very quickly, but these are the things that produce life. Why do we need to love God above all things? Simple, because we owe everything to him, our existence, our breath of life, our abilities, and of course, the eternal life he offers through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we need to love our neighbor, including our enemies? Simple, because the word says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is why Jesus said that God is the only one that is truly good. Why? Because even though we were his enemies, fallen in our own sin, having used our free will to sin against him, against each other, and even to sin against ourselves, 
He gave what was most valuable to him, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that we could have the opportunity, the choice to have eternal life. For it is written, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So no matter what you choose to think, God is good on every level imaginable and unimaginable to us as humans. God is truly good. So the question is, how do you react to God's word? Most people reject and or dismiss God's word, his instruction. But when the day of judgment comes, God is not going to ask us what other people did or didn't do. He's not going to judge us based on other people's actions. That is why it is just not a good idea to be looking around and using other people's circumstances and decisions as an excuse to judge God, as an out, so to speak, to follow and obey Him. On that day, we will all stand judgment before Almighty God. Every single person that has lived will give an account for each and everything that they have done including those of us that have believed in Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear in that, for it is written, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And Jeremiah chapter 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Any way you look at it, we will all need to give an account before the Lord for what we do, no exceptions. Even those of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ, do not be fooled by people that teach irresponsibility and a false grace. God gives us a fresh start through Jesus Christ, but that's not a free pass to sin, to take advantage of and abuse God's love, grace, and mercy. For it is also written, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. The scriptures also say, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 
and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So the question still stands. How do you react to God's word? Do you consider it and take it as a truth that it is? Or do you do what so many other people do and disregard and disrespect his message of continual repentance and conversion so that we can, in fact, attain the eternal life and eternal reward that God offers? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, Mighty God, Holy God, Loving God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because your word is life to us. That is the only truth that exists. Your truth is absolute. Doesn't matter what we want to think. Doesn't matter what we want to believe. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O oh Lord, to value your truth, to value your warning to be able to take in, Lord God, what you teach us. Help us, O oh Lord, to understand that your word is life to us, that we will not see eternal life if we do not cling on to your truth. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the good that you truly offer us. Help us to understand the concept of eternity and what it means, and that we should not turn away from your truth, and that we should not give in to what everyone else says, Lord God. Help us to understand your love, that you truly love us, Lord God. You've given us the power and the right to, to choose, but help us to understand that every choice has a consequence. And help us to understand, Lord God, that we need to choose for you. We need to choose your goodness. We need to choose your instruction so that we can truly live forever and ever because that is your true will for us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because everything that you teach us is to be able to perpetuate life. Help us to understand that clearly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.